It's very good to be back here with you after being away last week. Uh, it was hard to be away from you with what was going on last Sunday morning. But I see now that God arranged that. Um, I was able to be at the hospital with the Thomas family, which was awesome. Uh, it was a difficult position for Richard Russell to be in. But I'm grateful that it was him who was here. And I, I wasn't here, but I heard and I'm confident that, that he shared with you well. So I'm grateful for that. He's a good neighbor and a good friend. I just want to publicly express my gratitude to him that he's not here uh, for being here last week. This week, we will be in the book of 2 Corinthians. Before we begin, I want to share with you, it's been said that preaching is the Word of God for the people of God in a particular time and place. It's the Word of God for the people of God in a particular time and place. And I share that with you now just as a reminder. I think it's helpful to be reminded that you're not listening to a speech that I'm about to give. I'm not about to give a speech. Um, You're here prayerfully hoping to hear God's voice in His Word. And I have prayerfully soaked in this passage of Scripture crying out to God for help to explain it well so that you can hear His voice. But that's our aim. You're not here also just because you chose to get up and obey the alarm clock and come. Uh, In a sense, every Sunday morning, every step of your life up to this Sunday morning has led you here to this point, to that pew. God is sovereign over these things. He's brought you here to speak to you through His Word. And I know some of you are here it's our memorial service. Some of you are here with the, the pain of loss still fresh in your minds and in your hearts. Some of you are here with the fear fresh in your mind and your hearts of loved ones that you fear may be passing away. Some of you are just waiting for lunch. And you can't wait till 12, 25 and I'll let you out of here this afternoon. Now some of you can sit here for hours and listen to God's Word. Wherever you are, whoever you are, God brought you here. So as I read this passage, I just wanted to say that so we listen to God's Word. I think lots of times when I read the passage, people take a mental break and wait to come back to when I'm going to try to explain it. This is really the most important part, reading the Scripture. So I'll be reading to you this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you'd like to follow along. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 1. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Version, but maybe a bit different from yours. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul writes, For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, Eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house, we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed. So that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. 
Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We confess before you that we are spiritually dead without your Holy Spirit bringing life to us. So I pray that you would do so this morning, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Help us to hear your voice in this passage. And I pray that you would help me. Help me to speak well in a way that enables me to disappear and for everyone to see you clearly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What Paul gives us here is an analogy. Paul's giving us an analogy here. I don't know if you caught it. We're going to walk through the text and see this analogy. Um, some context about this letter. He's writing to a church. The Corinthian church. He's writing to Christians. We have to establish that now. Um, we have to acknowledge that there are two types of people who will hear this passage of Scripture this morning. Christians and those who are not Christians. Christians are those, not just necessarily those who go to church regularly, but those who have understood that they must place all their faith, all their hope in Jesus Christ for salvation. That their sins are too great, they cannot earn it of being good. So, a Christian is one whose faith and hope is 100% in Jesus Christ for salvation. A Christian is also one who is committed to obeying Jesus as their Lord, to hearing His Word, to responding in obedience. That's who Paul is writing to. We have to establish that up front so we understand this passage. He's writing to Christians, and it's a passage in which he's trying to get them to look past what they can see. Just before that, he's trying to get them to look past what they see to what is unseen. And here specifically, he's talking about death. Death is a, a subject that is very important to all of us. I think you would agree. The death rate being what it is, we will all face it very personally. Very specifically, very deeply. <clears throat> Many of you have and are right now the death of loved ones. And one day we will face our own if Christ doesn't return first. So this analogy, which is meant to help us understand death, is very important to you. It's very pertinent. So the analogy is clearly stated in verse 1. Let's read this verse again. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What he's saying is, life as we know it is tent-like. Life as we know it, was clearly seen in our physical bodies, is tent-like. It's like a tent now, I want you guys to interact with me a bit. I want you to actually raise your hand if you've ever spent the night in a tent, like a camping tent. Okay? Most folks, I want you to keep them up. Okay? I get the blood circulating, at least in that part of your body. Okay, keep your hand up if you have ever spent the night in a tent. Some of your arms are already growing weary. Now, keep your hand up if you have ever spent two nights in a row in a tent. Okay? Keep your hand up if you have ever spent three nights in a row in a tent. Keep your hand up if you've ever spent four nights in a row in a tent. OK? 
Okay, we'll meet you somehow. Okay, raise your hand so I can see them. We'll get down with you. <laughs> Keep your hand up if you have ever spent uh, five nights in a row in a tent. Six nights in a row in a tent. One week straight spending the night in a tent. Two weeks straight spending. We <laughs> got one back there. Three weeks? Okay, two, two and a half weeks? Two weeks. Close enough. Okay. Two weeks is the most anyone in here has spent in a tent. The point is, tents are temporary. Tents are temporary. And I have to wonder how enjoyable those two weeks in the tent could have been. And I have to wonder how often those in that tent bathed during those two weeks. <laughs> Tents are temporary. So the analogy starts there. Our lives, as we know them, including especially our bodies, are like tents. This is temporary. So he continues. The, the tent that we have, it will deteriorate. Tents are not meant to last. That's why you don't find any tents dug up in ancient ruins. At least not that I'm aware of. So, it goes on. Our lives now, as we know them, are temporal. For we know that if our earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a promise. We have a promise. He's saying, if Christ does not return, our tent is torn down, we have a promise. It's a building from God. A house not made with hands. Eternal in the heavens. So the longest we had anyone in here staying in the tent was two weeks. I'm not going to have you raise your hands. But think about your experience living in houses. We all live in houses all the time. Tents are temporary. Buildings, houses are permanent. It's a simple analogy. Life now, as we know it, the map you see is a tent. What's ahead is a house. It's permanent. Now he goes on in verse 2. For indeed, in this house, in this, in this tent-like house, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. And as much as we, having put it on, will not be found naked, for indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed. Tent living, this life as we know it, is characterized by groaning. And isn't that true? This life is characterized by groaning, and we're groaning for our house. Even when we don't realize that's what we're groaning for. We're groaning for our house. Tent is shattered. And we're groaning for our house. Now I want you to imagine something with me. Okay? Almost everyone in here has spent the night in a tent. Some of your hands didn't go up, and I'll talk to you about that after the service. I feel like that's an important part of life to spend at least one night in a tent. Maybe we can take a trip. Now imagine with me. Okay? You are born into a tent. You're in a tent when you're born. Okay? Go all the way back to your, your birth. You're born in a tent. Okay? You spend your entire infancy in this tent. You learn how to crawl on the floor of that tent. 
You learn how to walk in that tent. You spend all your toddler years in that tent. Your childhood is spent playing in the tent. Adolescence, puberty, in the tent. As you grow into a young man or young woman, you, you have to crouch in your tent when you stand up. And it's all you've ever known. And into your 20s, 30s, 40s, tent. And as time goes on, you see cracks start to show in your tent. And you see thin spots where it seems like you can see through. You see, when it rains, it, it starts to, to find its way into the tent and flood. The wind starts to feel like it's going to blow the tent over. And then one day, a letter plops through the flap of your tent. And you open it up. And there it says, Dear Tent Dweller, By now you probably noticed that your tent is deteriorating. It will not last forever. One day your tent will be destroyed. It will either decay, or the winds will be too much. It will be destroyed, and you won't be able to repair it. But, don't worry, I built you a house. So when your tent is destroyed, go live in your house that I built for you. So you fold the letter up and you ponder for a minute. And the only thing you really got from that letter is, my tent's going to be destroyed. It's all you've ever known. It's your tent. You don't even know what a house is. And so you don't realize, you don't understand that everything about your tent is just a shadow of this permanent fulfillment in a house. Think about a tent. When you move from a tent to a house, you exchange your fabric walls for brick and mortar. But you can't understand that if you've lived your whole life in a tent and never seen brick anymore. You exchange your sleeping bag for a king-size pillow top mattress and box springs with a down comforter and new, fresh, clean sheets. Your pack of trail mix or whatever, you exchange that for the stock refrigerator. <coughs> and even though in your tent you groan, this passage says we groan for our eternal dwelling place. But it also says we groan not wanting to be unclothed, not wanting to be out of our tent. We groan within the confines of our mortality, and we groan for fear of what's going to happen when we release from. And God says, don't worry, there's a house prepared for you. We groan as the arthritis sets in. We groan as the eyesight starts to fail. And we find ourselves doing this thing that our grandparents used to do. Now we're doing it. And we groan as the, the hair thins. I'm 27, but my forehead is not a long thing. It should be more like that. We groan with sin, we groan with regret, with depression, with anxieties, with the tent-like lives that we're living. We groan because there's got to be more. We groan within the confines of our mortality, and we groan for fear of what's going to happen when we're set free. And here we have this passage, this still, small voice. At the end of verse 4. Saying that what is mortal 
dead stuff, what is mortal, will be swallowed up by life. What is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Do you love that phrase? Everything that is definitely about us, everything that is temporary, will one day be swallowed up by life. It's as though as our tent begins to crumble and fall and it falls down around us and we cannot repair it and we look up, we realize that the house has been built around us has already swallowed us up. All that temporary stuff swallowed up by life. Now I don't
But he becomes like the best father in the world because he's not caring about his life anymore. He is going to do whatever it takes. He doesn't care about his life. He's living for the future. I think that's kind of what Christians ought to be like. And we ought not to mistake our tents for our permanent dwelling place. And what a shame it is when we do. And we all do. We need to live for the house, not for the tent. Courage and concern. Paul says here, Therefore, because of all this, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, knowing that we're all tense, we are concerned about others. This is simple. This is very practical. When you're talking to someone or about someone, try to remember that that person is just a tent. And that they're not going to be here forever. And that every sentence you say to someone else could be the last sentence you ever say to them. Because our tents are so fragile. If the events of this past couple of weeks and this past couple of years have taught us anything, is that we cannot predict when our tent is going to come. Or when someone else says Every sentence you say to someone could be the last sentence you say to them. What was the last thing you said to your husband or to your wife? What was the last thing you said to your parents or to your children? Or to your co-workers or your friends? What if their tent crumbled while we're sitting here? Would you have wanted that to be the last thing you said to them? We're talking tense. We're interacting with tense on their way to an eternal dwelling place. We just need to be more gentle with each other. You need to remember we're talking tense. Courage, concern, and comfort. You know, we're at a Christian here. I know some of you are just aching for me to get into. Christian doctrine at this point. Some of you, again, are just waiting for 12 30 to get out here. I used to be Baptist. That's my school. Baptist doctrine and anti Christian doctrine are different about what happens immediately after you die. And I have to confess, I have to be humble about this. I don't know exactly what happens after you imagine, really. But I'll tell you what the bottom line is here. Death is not just the loss of our tent. Death is the very act of our mortality being swallowed up by life. Life is swallowing up all of our death. Everything that is doomed to die in our lives is swallowed up by life. So we as Christians, who Paul wrote this letter to, we need to live courageously. We need to be concerned for others. And we can be comforted for those who we mourn, who we miss, who have passed away. They have taken the step that we're all going to take. And when Christ returns, all our mortality swallowed up all. What a precious promise. I pray that it would not be abstract to us. 
that will be real to us. And that we become. And after our, our music, individuals will come forward and light candles in memory of certain individuals who passed away last year. And we'll remember others in the bulletin and others who who are dear to us who passed away in the years before. I think lighting candles is appropriate because a candle is time. <coughs> Representing the lives of these folks and the memories of them. Let's keep our eternal house in the forefront of our minds as we do so. Let's pray before Alicia comes to say. Father, thank you for this promise. Lord, I thank you for your word that communicated these things to us. God, I pray that we would be courageous, that we would somehow be able to see past the temporary to the eternal. That we would live for that. That we would live for the house. And I pray that you would give us your eyes to see just how fragile we all are and the people around us. Lord, use us as agents of your grace in each other's lives so that we would have faith in your Son Jesus for salvation and so that we would obey Him as our Lord so that we would find that there's a house waiting for us. Lord, may we be comforted. I pray for those who are hurting this morning. Lord, please comfort us. Comfort us based on the truth of the Word and reality. And we trust you with these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.